This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Welcome to the Climate Action Show. My name is Vivian Langford, and salut, Babette. We would like to pay our respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, from whose land we are broadcasting at Radio 3CR, and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, where we can be heard at Radio Skid Row. Hello and welcome to the 3CR Climate Action Show. I'm Carly, your host, and I am joined by Julia, who has been on the show before. She is a friend of the show. Julia is a psychologist and she lives and works in Victoria. She's also a climate activist. Hi, Julia. How are you going today? I'm well, Carly. Thank you. How are you? I'm very excited to be talking about this on a miserable, rainy day. (laughs) (laughs) The climate's making itself known today on this wintry summer day. Yep, that's right. So we've got to listen. We did touch on when Julia was on the show first about activism and her relationship with it, but I wanted to explore that more given that it's a fresh new year, the climate crisis is making itself more known and the mental health and wellbeing benefits of activism. So Julia, I guess that's a long bunch of topics I've asked you about, but I guess firstly, I mean, 2023, what is your relationship to activism and how do you feel about it now in the midst of a climate emergency? Um, yes, thank you, um, Carly. It, look, it's it, it's a crucial part of my life. In fact, I don't know how I would cope with the climate emergency without it being a part of my life. It, it's fundamental now. Um, it's and it has been ever since I started. I started um, my primary involvement is with Extinction Rebellion, and um, I got involved with them during the lockdown when the when the reality of the climate emerged, I had that moment, I suppose, of when the reality really sunk in and um, looked around at lots of different things to get involved in, but they chose them because they, yeah, really spoke to that sense of emergency that I feel. And, you know, the more I looked into it, the more I like their frameworks, ethics. I know they're controversial in many ways, but, um, but in the context of an emergency, it kind of actually doesn't feel controversial to me in terms of their actions. So, um, yeah, yeah, I could talk a lot more about that, but I'll stop there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So I guess um, when you had that moment, I guess, what was the impact, if you feel okay sharing as much as you would like to, on your mental health and well-being before, I guess, joining a you know, non-violent direct action group? versus after you join and participated in some actions, if you can speak to that. Sure. Um, How that moment kind of happened was I was going through a hard time in my life and very healing during that time was nature, spending lots of time in nature. So really starting to engage with that love of nature, then, of course, naturally, well, brought me to that place that I think it does for many of us of actually this is what's happening to our natural world. So that's... That came up as such a dilemma. It felt like an unresolvable dilemma, like it's an existential uh, threat that we're facing, you know, of, of the scale I don't think humanity has kind of faced before. So um, so it felt, it, it felt well, yeah, unresolvable. It felt, I, 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 it felt immobilising 
And I suppose that's why when I was looking around, Extinction Rebellion did did um, did appeal. That that one of the entry points in is you listen to a talk called Heading for Extinction, and they're online or they run them locally. Like you know, it was different then. I listened to it online because it was during lockdown, but. Um, that really spoke my language of the things that um, in terms of actually this is the reality of what we're facing. So that came, with that came, I guess, I wouldn't describe it as a relief, relief, but a kind of acknowledgement that kind of I have something to ground in that I can relate to externally in terms of what's happening internally. And, yeah, so then I just kept following that path. And um, it's been the way Extinction Rebellion works is through local groups so you know I started to meet people locally pretty much everyone in my life is what we would call business as usual like you know they know it's a problem Mm. but they're not living it or you know it's just kind of sitting in the background there but you know to actually engage with people who who felt and thought the same way I did um yeah was was hugely important and helpful kind of then I guess, you know, it works like this with lots of feelings, that not feeling alone, that helped me create the internal space to start to process those feelings as well rather than just feeling kind of overwhelmed by them, which I probably was prior, actually. Yeah. really resonate with that, um, that kind of validation almost of some people actually understanding the scale and severity of what is happening and what we're facing and just mm. finding that connection in a really, it's, it is a scary time. It's a scary mm. concept. Mm. And I, I definitely relate to that as well. Mm. Um, I guess also with your, you know, professional knowledge and your education, I mean, can you speak to what we know are the um, positive mental health and wellbeing impacts of engaging in whatever way you can in climate activism? Yep. Um, well, having said that, I'm a bit curious about, I'll definitely come back to that, Carly, but kind of your engagement, like your you, I don't know, maybe you've talked about it on the show already, but, you know, um, your kind of engagement with activism and how that came about. Oh, my God. I think um, I was getting very frustrated with signing endless petitions, calling mm. up MPs who were just like, yep, yep, I get it. It's a big deal. We're doing everything we can, knowing that the party actually wasn't, um, you know, contacting businesses. It just felt like you were hitting an immovable force. Mm. Um, and then just knowing the state of the natural world was deteriorating rapidly, I was experiencing a lot of eco-anxiety that was just bubbling under the surface and getting more and more intense in my early 20s. And then I, it was maybe mid-20s, I came across 350.org mm-hmm. and just um, Greenpeace and seeing people on the front lines and also just Sea Shepherd Australia as well, mm-hmm. seeing people on the front lines actually banding together, doing beach cleanups, um, going actually in person to businesses and organisations and delivering physical letters and stuff, that felt really powerful. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know, it is kind of all the same thing. It's not really stopping it at its source, but I wanted to be a part of it because I thought it would be really nice. And a lot of people in my world at the time, they were also engaged. They knew it was a big issue, but they were very much business as usual as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really lovely. And then four years ago or something I can't even remember time it's just a flat circle after the pandemic yeah but I also found Extinction Rebellion and Stop Adani and that was really really phenomenal for me Mm -hmm. like really doing the direct action stuff feeling like the message was getting across Mm -hmm. in whatever way it was 
received by people. Mm, mm. Um, and then obviously the bushfire happened. The bushfires happened in 2019 and that just took it to a whole new level. It was the mm. first time I couldn't go for walks and connect with nature outside or just sit and watch the stars because it was actually toxic to breathe in. Mm, mm. The, the air mm. that sustains us. And I live yep. in Melbourne, mm. you know, like... We're used to some element of toxic air, yes. 100%, but just nothing like that. And I was just like, I don't don't want this. Mm. And then getting more engaged was really helpful in that moment. I was Mm. doing the rallies every Mm. Friday in the city. Um, Mm. And that, yeah, collective witnessing the grief was Mm. very helpful in that moment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Yes, thank you, wonderful. Um, (laughs) So you're asking me about... Well, let's talk about, yeah, the mental health benefits of, yeah. Um, I mean, you put coping with climate distress, grief, anxiety, whatever, into a search engine, it's going to come up as an option. And I think there's very good reason for that. Um, uh, Well, we're a social species, aren't we? And this is Mm. also humanity's problem. It's not an individual problem. So I think that... I think just on that foundational level of how we operate as a species and how we, you know, um, engage is that brings us to this collective action is an essential part of dealing with a collective problem. It, it's, it's, it's not something that exists in isolation. Nothing about this exists in isolation. So, um, so with that, I mean, I, I guess I can only speak personally. It's been, sorry, and there's, Lawn knowing outside, so we <laughs> <laughs> need these earplugs. Um, so personally, yeah, it just well, I think I alluded to it earlier. It just that sense of well, it was relief in a way, validation used the words, wonderful word. Um, of yeah, the, I'm not, I don't have to carry this by myself, and in fact, I can't, and we can't mm. solve it on our own, and so it actually feeds like not only into that shared collective experience, but I think that um, no one, no individual is going to solve this problem. So that acting together and that sense of collaboration, kind of empowerment really that, yeah, in groups is where we have, can have more impacts. And I can't, uh, Margaret Mead, I think it was, and I actually don't know it was her quote, but that wonderful quote about, um, and I really need to learn this off by heart because I do keep referring to it. <laughs> but um, basically it's don't undervalue what a small group of committed citizens mm-hmm. can do regarding change because, in fact, if we look at history, that is the thing that has led to change. So um, that's, that has just been incredibly, um, yeah, well, empowering and um, and... Yeah, that's probably, yeah, mainly how I'd describe it. But kind of enjoyable, mm. not enjoyable in terms of what we're dealing with, but I've met great people. I've ended up, the things, the thing about Extinction Rebellion, there are so many ways to be involved. It isn't just getting arrested and blocking roads and all that stuff. That is certainly a part of it. But there are so many ways to be involved. And, you know, it's been an opportunity. We get out in these kind of costumes with messaging. So I'm now expressing creative side. Mm. We get together and we make stuff. In fact, on the weekend, we're getting together and making more things for our costumes, more messaging. Um, you know, so in fact, it's been fun and enjoyable as well, which sounds contradictory, but I kind of think that's part of dealing with this as well as it is, you know, the positive 
side and positive emotions also. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like how in eco-psychology we acknowledge the spectrum of um, feelings about biodiversity in the planet. We have on one end climate, like radical hope and joy, and on the other end we have climate grief and despair. Mm-hmm. And I think also I've found that... Um, I don't know about you, but I can get quite angry and rageful about the situation and how greed has led us to this. And I do yeah. find that expressing ourselves collectively in creative ways, um, there's a refined, there's a refined kind of element to that anger and expression of that anger. And it's a really pro-social way to get it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instead of kind mm-hmm. of keeping it in and mm-hmm. just, I remember just, you know, walking around the house, just being a proper strop like mm. being like who who can I swear at what can I do who yes, can I tweet yes, yes. to yep. knowing it doesn't gonna yep. it wasn't gonna do anything but getting together and like marching chanting or like you said doing whatever you can in the moment it's a really nice way to express that I found and very yeah. very helpful to me yes yes and and I feel that viscerally like you know mm. once I've been to an action as we call it um I, I come at there it feels like a bit of a weight off. It, I, I feel some kind of shift internally in in just that collective shared expression of what's important to us, you know, as a group and a sense of taking action. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm. A question: Do you? Um, I know you're a climate aware practitioner. Do you? You know, engage with some clients around activism in any way or? You know, what do you see the future of your practice looking like? Well, uh, actually, unfortunately, no, because I'm very much someone who will take the lead of the client. I'm certainly not there to impose my agenda on them. So um, the only way it's coming up at the moment is if we're talking about kind of self-care, you know, and I can talk about all the research around nature engagement and um, because that's, that is an avenue, well, well, certainly my avenue in, but I think it's a common avenue in to this mm-hmm. awareness of what's happening. Um, so um, I'm just waiting for that moment <laughs> when it comes <laughs> up in a conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and I know we've talked about this before and it's certainly part of our discussion around eco-psychology, that kind of bit of a frustration with psychology that it individualises mm-hmm. what our societal um problems so yeah and I find that translates into the therapy kind of scenario unfortunately but I'm envisioning that this will change I'm envisioning that and I well maybe it's just me projecting but into the that this will actually that people will start to bring this to therapy um and I had a conversation with, with my GP a while ago and she said she's noticing patients as they you know her turn um yeah that they're starting to say actually um yeah I'd like to see someone who can deal with you know climate anxiety or or grief or whatever are you what are you noticing in your and you probably work with a lot of younger people than I do which could be different um yeah what are you noticing in your practice yeah perhaps I think um definitely people are coming to me specifically for climate related issues um and I do promote that front facing on my website Mm. on my instagram business page saying you know i talk about it a lot and so i think um what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to say this is a normal response to a horrific Mm. planetary Mm. situation that we have Mm. 
you know, psychology has a space for that, even if it might not be mainstream right now. But I think, like you said, in time, it's going to be kind of bread and butter, mm. unfortunately, because it's, yes. it can't not be. Yep. Yes, mm. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, our collective denial would be getting to a level, oh. Carly, that would be, you know, I mean, it's shocking Crazy. enough now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, insane. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Yeah. 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 Um, I guess, is there anything that you want to say about psychology and activism? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, sure. I, I'm keen. <laughs> well, it is stuff we've talked about. I suppose, mm. I, you know, yeah, look, this is a bit of a bugbear in lots of ways. I think psychology could be such an agent for change and it's to my eternal frustration you know, and look, this is controversial. I'm going to say it anyhow. But I think, in, <laughs> in, um, as someone when I was getting involved in situation said to me, like this is an this is an emergency, and um, we, you know, it requires us to get out of our comfort zone. So yeah, um, yeah, I think in some, unfortunately, the profession kind of aids and abets. It this denial in lots of ways because it's very much staying in this space of focusing on the individual on on um that that thing that it's always done of mm. making um societal problems into you know in a framework of seeing them in terms of individual pathology um and I think it's doing that in relation to this so um yeah, which is very disturbing and, you know, you and I have had and the uh, the group we're part of have, certainly have conversations about this. I don't really see it shifting any time soon, but I would, you know, well, no, I can't say that, but not certainly not at the mm. moment. Um, but, yeah, I think oh, I think we're in such a, a, a really privileged place of being able to be an agent for change in this um, that's just not... That's not happening at the moment. So, yeah, what what's your thoughts there? Oh, honestly, much the same. I think even pre, I guess, um, climate emergency, like you said, psychology has done a disservice to individuals by placing the onus of being well on them and mm-hmm. almost kind of um, ignoring all the other factors, the social determinants of health. And, of course, Mm. green spaces, Mm. nature, biodiversity is a part of that Mm. um, in pollution. So I do think there will be a radical shape or, you know, mix-up of mental health, physical health, a whole lot of different fields as well. It's just a bit disappointing that, at least in the Australian context, the the scale and the speed that it hasn't happened mm, given that we are so so vulnerable mm, to extreme weather disasters and we can see across the pond what's happening you know in yes. india last year in europe last year as well with the heat waves like that absolutely yeah yeah pakistan it's, new zealand at the moment oh, oh gosh. you just turned oh, to any yeah. place in the world but, like, yeah, yeah. That's, that's right yeah so i'm very hopeful that it'll be part of the course syllabus in undergrad psychology Mm. and then also you know in postgrad I I really hope that there's almost like a component almost of internships where you have to have some kind of nature-based or weather-based training I don't know or yeah but I I just I want it embedded yes yes Mm. and that as we've talked about in our group that sense of the ecological Mm. self that our innate interconnectedness that this 
this collective denial of you know that we're of separateness Mm. well the denial can you know maintains this idea of separateness that that starts to become core in our understanding of our psychology yep that's right and like all across the health thing so even if people are in hospital or in mental health um wards that there's you know a green room within the hospital or within the private hospital that people go to and there's like a garden that they tend to and there's soil that they get to play with and just Mm. engage with I, i just want this embedded in every field so deep yeah um so just biding my time time. (laughs) well doing our best that we can to be agents Mm. of that Mm. um which kind of bringing it back to activism makes me think about you know this is the other form of activism that I'm sitting with I suppose is you know what you and I are engaged with in terms of eco-psychology and how can we influence the profession so Mm. you know and that's I guess opens up that idea there's such a myriad of ways to um to um to be involved and uh, have you come across joanna macy active hope no i have to check it out yeah. uh that's her there this book highly recommended mm. okay perfect yep and she talks about um she talks about and i think this is really useful when you think about activism because and when when it first kind of came up for me it was like you know, what do I have to do to solve it kind of thing, you know, because we're trained in this individualistic thinking. And she talks about, and I just love her language and framing about it, that, you know, what is your place? What is your role? And how we arrive at that understanding is through engaging, you know, our feelings, you know. Her model starts with kind of gratitude, you know, that as a framework to help cushion or support, you know, dealing with the kind of distress and grief, grief and anxiety um but through that then opening up to yeah what's my place like where can I contribute um um which yeah is and that can look like so many different things it doesn't have to be blocking traffic or you know throwing paint at a painting and you know that kind of stuff like um yep. which I, I actually I you know I actually go for it right yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if I was independently down, wealthy yeah. um, oh, to be honest God. I'd probably Don't be doing start. that and in jail right now same <laughs> I'd be like what yeah <laughs> um yes but because I need to make a living just not at the moment so yeah <laughs> <laughs> I have my time for that as well yeah. yes or you know up the yeah. tree in the forest oh, as yeah, yeah. All yeah, of that stuff. Yeah, I love that book, and I fully want to echo that there is room and space for everyone because it is going to take every single one of us. Exactly. Yeah, and I love that so much. I'm definitely going to read that book. Thank you so much. Um, and the agents of change thing. Yes, 100%. There's so many ways that psychology can can contribute really meaningfully to this mm. this crisis that we're all facing. Yeah, so, yeah. 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 It's you know amongst other things a crisis of well being and and yeah. that's our that's our thing well it's supposed to be our thing so yeah <laughs> <laughs> just missing some pieces at the moment <laughs> sorry I'll stop yeah. on that but clearly you know, I, you know, I might have some uh, feelings I need to work through there <laughs> while we wait for you to work through though <laughs> yes I won't do it on your show it's all right <laughs> for anyone listening who you know may have 
you know, left activism from, from burnout reasons or yes, yeah, just but... hasn't, um, like, committed or is thinking of how to get re-engaged or to engage for the first time, mm. what would you as a mental health professional want to let them know? Mm. Um, that really burnout is understandable and unfortunately a very common um common experience in from what I can see in my little corner um, of of activism and that really because the drivers that can lead us there are so powerful that um, and maybe I'm talking about myself a bit here that our needs can tend to you know go under the back burner and that is that is um, yeah understandable um, but not sustainable. So mm. it's really about, um, yeah, how is this sustainable? What would that look like? Taking breaks, having fun, you know, all that stuff we know is good for us is even in the context of an emergency as is highly important, that balance, um, sustainability, those things, which sound kind of moderate, like it, it feels contradictory in the context of an emergency, but it's, but it's kind of necessary. Um, and for someone returning into it, yeah, like, yeah, what, what would I learn from that experience? What, um, you know, if they've been through an experience of burnout, mm. yeah, what, what are their learnings? What would they take differently? Where, where does this sit for me now? What would this look like now? How do I want to engage now in a sustainable, self-respecting, way um Mm. yeah I don't know you might have other things to say about that but no perfect because I also agree Um, unfortunately it is a crisis but paradoxically it's a marathon not a sprint and it all rests on one person Mm. and when you're so deeply engaged and motivated you can really say yes to everything yes 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 at the behest of yourself and I think we've all been there done that yep yep so try not to take this all on yourself Find mm. what actually um, brings you joy with activism. Mm. You know, don't feel like you have to say yes to everything. What is your what is your flavor? Are you just someone who can like host meetings and do minutes mm. really really well? Because we need that. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. But for some people, that's not the you know the yes. preferred method. But yes, yeah, yes. Um, I just want to say something else about that. That I think, and you know, this is part of my bugbears about it is the way that corporates who are you know key agents in this emergency Mm. frame it in terms of individual responsibility we should you know you know our our impact we Mm. should be recycling all this stuff so and Mm. I think for those people who are particularly kind of empathetic that can get internalized around guilt responsibility so you know really looking inquiring into those feelings of yeah how responsible as an individual am I or um but actually, you know, where does this sit? Who's responsible here? Um, yeah, because that can just be another layer of um, contributing to burnout in terms of, yeah, I have to fix this, I'm responsible, yeah, that kind of self-critical kind of stuff. So, yeah. Agree. Yeah. Now, um, Julia, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You're a wealth of knowledge. So once again, we've been talking to Julia, a friend of the show, who's a psychologist living and working in Nam. Um, Thank you for your time. Pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for doing what you do, Carly. (laughs) I'm glad you found this niche in the emergency to do. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. You take good care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Have you heard of long COVID? If you or someone you know have had COVID-19, 
you may still experience symptoms weeks or months later. There are many symptoms of long COVID, but the most frequent are extreme tiredness, shortness of breath, and muscle aches and joint pains. Anyone can experience long COVID, including children. You can find information in your language on the Health Translations website, healthtranslations.vic.gov.au. Just type long COVID as a keyword. A 3CR supporter. Our next guest today is Julia Lamont, who has been campaigning in the forest up in New South Wales. Juliet, how are you going today? Yeah, I'm good. I hope that I've managed to work out that, this technology. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, perfectly. Thank you so okay. much. That's great. Now, I contacted Julia really urgently because she posted about being in the case campaigning up to save the Bulga Forest. So, Julia, for those who firstly don't know you, do you want to give us a bit of an idea about who you are, how you got into campaigning? Um, okay, so I'm an independent documentary filmmaker and I've always kind of been behind the lens in terms of activism, but made my, um, you know, it started um, on a film about uh, Gazprom and Putin trying to drill some oil out of the Arctic. So went to Russia and followed Greenpeace's imprisonment um, in a Mordomansk prison when they were looking down the barrel of 15 years for piracy when they tried to, you know, intervene in, in the craziness of drilling, you know, um, sea um, melting ice and, and pumping the last oil out of there. So I started that way. And I think through that and being so inspired by, you know, seeing what kind of frontline activism looks like and in the wake of my own partner's um, death in the making of that film tragically, it just sort of switched my focus and really crystallised my need as an individual to to be a frontline activist as well as a filmmaker. So I sort of, yeah, I'm not filming as much as I should. I'm kind of just doing it. Amazing. There's a lot in there, I'm sure. <laughs> There's a lot. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. But I guess um, tell me a bit about what's happening up in New South Wales right now. Okay, well, at the moment, the um, the local community, specifically around Elands, is is a really good grassroots um, uh, campaign to stop native logging in in the local forest. Specifically, it started as um, stopping bulga forest, but it's 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 grown ahead of the New South Wales state election which really, really needs some pressure on um, the politicians to, to stop all native logging. Um, communities standing up and saying, you know, you know, in the wake of the 2019 uh, Blackfire bushfires um, that, that have destroyed so much of our native forests, um, there, was a, there was a government report in the wake, the wake of that destruction um, saying that they really needed to stop logging and specifically the Yarrett Forest that I did a tree sit in um, on a Monday with my 24-year-old daughter, Luca, was specifically um, the Natural Resources Commission gave a report to the government saying you cannot log this forest. It's unburnt. It's koala bear habitat. There's nothing left. And even though they were, they were told that they've logged 50% of that, that forest since 2021 in July, so they haven't listened to it. Half of it's gone. They're, you know, they're, they're, you're really bolshely going in there and destroying all of the, 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 ha- the koala habitat. And it's just a catastrophe on our doorstep. So normal people are standing up and saying enough is enough. That 50% since 2020, like when you said that, my heart just, you know, it felt like I got kicked in the chest. 
yeah it's yeah. um I mean, I mean, and sort of going in there because you go in the dead of night to to do these, you know, to create these tree sits and be able to stay on a platform mm-hmm. for that long and and stop logging and 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 as the dawn comes up and and the light comes up and you just see it's like you're in a sort of yeah in a murder zone. There's just mm-hmm. there's just no forest left and the few trees that you know you manage to get up into to say it really just feels like this is the last stand. It's really mm-hmm. profoundly profoundly sad state of affairs, but also empowering as well. Mm. because then you know you just feel as an individual that yeah because we stopped logging that day and you mm. know that's something that felt good it's amazing yeah thank you um I guess talk to me about Bulga Forest what do you love about it what makes it special describe it for those those um, of us who haven't seen it with our own eyes I before suppose, like my connection my we we came from Scotland and, and my parents were you know environmentalists and I suppose on the hippie trail in the early 70s so I came up here as a baby and, and, you know, and have a really deep connection with, with being able to be in the forest, in the bush. And there's an incredible, like, I think it's maybe the second longest single drop waterfall in the mm. Southern Hemisphere. So there's wow. just some kind of magic and profound beauty in the surrounding forests here. And they need to be protected because they're the, you know, the, they're just such a life source for, you know, for the creatures and for us as well. They keep our water clean. They keep our air clean. We're in a global um, climate emergency and we just cannot be destroying our natural environment. We need to sustain it and protect it. And, yeah, it's probably one of the most magic places I've ever been. It's just teeming with, with, with life force and beauty and, yeah, I encourage more people to come up here from wherever. There's a great camp happening near the Ellenborough Falls. There's, there's a really good camp kitchen with lots of yummy food. And you'll be supported in, you know, whatever um, field. You don't have to, you know, climb a tree. You can just support in any way you can. And I encourage everyone to come up and have a look and, um, yeah, and protect this beautiful natural resource. Absolutely. It's so, like you said, it's just madness to be chopping down any source of carbon, um, I think, in a carbon, uh, in a climate emergency. What has the response been from the um, politicians and the logging company from these recent actions and from the advocacy to stop logging? Well, you know, really importantly and maybe potentially surprisingly, the Tare branch of the Labor Party did a post um, just after our action saying, you know, when good people start to do things like this, we really need to listen. So that's oh. a really positive um, uh, result of taking action, you know, mm. the the, the private contractors that are, are taking out the last of the native timber and 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 also like you know it, it needs to be mentioned that this this industry is taxpayer funded it's a public state forest it's our money and in the last two years that we've lost 30 million dollars to turn this um beautiful um uh, timber into toilet paper and and um and, and you know and chips so it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and of course the the contractors are making us you know a subsidized buck so they were really angry when me and my daughter were in the tree sit and they were you know making very verbal um manifestations and affirmations of how awful it was that we were in those trees and <laughs> I was like shaking my ropes so at 4 30 in the morning the whole tree sit was shaking and um yeah, some very, very angry loggers. But, uh, you know, in terms of the community, I think after the bushfires, people have really know, you know, they're just, they've seen so much personal carnage that they're just not prepared for this to continue anymore. So there's a really big groundswell of community support to for, to stop logging native forests. And I think we're going to get it over the line is my feeling and my hope. I hope so too, because it's so important. 
Um, what was it like for you to engage in a tree sit with your daughter? Because I imagine, I guess, she's been raised um, in a different kind of understanding of the natural world than I or you have. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I said, well, the, 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 we were in the same forest, but we're about 300 metres apart. So we're actually in different trees and we had enough kind of um, phone coverage to talk. So that was really good to support it. But mm. I was just like profoundly emotional knowing that it, it had got to this, that my 24-year-old daughter, I mean, I'm really scared of heights. It was massive in terms of me <laughs> being prepared to go up a 20-metre tree. Um, Luke is, you know, a lot stauncher and a lot braver and a lot more <laughs> courageous than a mother and a lot younger and fitter. But um. <laughs> There was just something really, I mean, it's like that really weird dichotomy of feeling like, fuck, the world is in this much of a climate emergency that we're doing crazy shit like this and we're going to stay up here all night and loggers might cut us out and we're going to go to the cop shop and get arrested and that's really, but then how kind of beautiful and right and, and yeah, it just felt like emotionally the right thing to be doing. So that mm. was really fortifying in terms of, you know, being able to carry it out. Yeah, for sure. And also that kind of intergenerational show of like solidarity and care. I feel, I imagine anyway, if I was with my mum in a tree sit, I'd be like, thank you, mum, for kind of like doing what you can to help me with my future, the world that I, you know, am living in. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think we can stand by and and just go. Well, look look at the world that we've kind of bequeathed to our children and do and say, oh, well, you know what? Sorry about that, darling. I was really enjoying Netflix or <laughs> I was on like some mad yoga diet or whatever yeah. narcissistic <laughs> shit we do in our kind of kind of broken myopic culture now. It's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, like at least at least I got off my knees and I could sort of die happily knowing I tried. Mm-hmm. I love that. I really, really, yeah, it is intergenerational theft. So I guess, like, are you showing up for your kids? Are you showing up for the young people in your life? Yeah, I mean, we've got a moral obligation to do it because otherwise what are we doing? Like, how can you look at yourself? You know, how can you, like, really, really cognitively go, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I did the right thing there. We can't ignore it anymore. Like, things Mm. are just so, we really are on the brink, I believe. And, you know, we've all got, we've all got to do more than we're doing, especially for children. Yep, you and I are on the same page fully. <laughs> cool. Um, so, what does the next couple of weeks look like, campaigning wise? Um, I think there's still there's still going to be a lot of you know actions. Hopefully, more people will join. It feels like the message is getting out there on all the different social media platforms. It's just yeah, it's just going to be a continued push up until the election to make sure that everybody that's sitting in that parliament votes the right way. And um, so, yeah, that's the focus at the moment. And, you know, and that it is joyful and, you know, that there's mm. food and there's going to be a dance at the end of the week. And, I mean, it, yeah, it's it just it feels positive and celebratory. It's not all about extinction and, mm. you know, yeah, being on the brink. It's it's good. It, it And it feels like we might be successful in this one. I really, really hope so. I am talking about Wilder Forest, everyone I know, and I am so thankful for you all out there really doing what you can to save that beautiful part of Australia. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I encourage you all to visit. Mm, I will, definitely. We've got lots of room and lots of food and lots of trees for you to sit in. Beautiful. I can't. (laughs) Yeah, done. (laughs) Good. Well, Julia, is there anything you'd like to say before you go off and save the forest? Maybe it's more just like that, you know, that direct action, it like it actually feels good. So I think there's a lot of kind of stigma and it, mm-hmm. it gets really sort of there's this 
yeah, it's just like it's this really awful thing and getting arrested and your life will never be the same and you're a criminal, but it's the opposite to that. It's really empowering and it's fun and it's the right thing to be doing. So mm-hmm. I would really encourage without being too like crazy <laughs> radical, I would like encourage other people to do it. Yeah, hanging out at a camp with a lot of yeah. friends just in a beautiful forest doesn't sound too radical to no, me. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Juliet. I know you've been very busy. Um, I really appreciate it. I'm sure our listeners do as well. Once again, been talking to Juliet Lamont, who is currently campaigning to save the Bulga Forest in New South Wales. Thank you so much for your time, Juliet. Okay, thanks. Lovely to talk to you. You too. Have a lovely day and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Do you have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home? Well, drop them in at 3CR and put them in the Books and Boots bin. Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country. Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au We love a good book.
Darling, if I were you And how's that insatiable Happy someone you care for is struggling with a mental illness or other disability and you need someone to talk to, you can call the Wellways Helpline. Wellways Helpline is a volunteer support and referral service that provides information to people experiencing mental health issues or other disabilities, as well as their family, friends and carers. We're here to talk if you are feeling socially isolated, seeking information about mental health or mental health services, or just need someone to talk to. As a peer-based service, everyone working at Wellways Helpline has a lived experience of mental health issues or disability. Wellways Helpline is a national service and operates Monday to Friday, 9am to 9pm, excluding public holidays. So if you're struggling yourself or are struggling to help someone else, please call Wellways Helpline on 1300 500. That's 1300 500. Wellways supports 3CR. I'd like to let everyone know that this is my last show on the Climate Action Show. I've been so blessed to have been a presenter and producer um, on the Beyond Zero Emissions Science Show and then the Climate Action Show with an amazing team and Vivian over the last almost two and a half years. I've met some amazing people and it's been really sustaining and joyful to talk to people much smarter than me doing amazing things in the climate space. I'm leaving the show full of hope. I'm leaving with radical optimism. We have a long way to go, but I'm really happy and I'm thankful to be connected in ways to the climate movement. I hope that everyone has enjoyed programming so far. Continue listening, continue sharing because it is amazing. Sean Vivian does a bloody hell of a job. Get connected to local climate action groups. Invest your money, move your super to ethical institutions. And as always, get out into nature, touch some grass, see some trees, 
go to the beach, really enjoy this beautiful land that we live on. Signing off one last time.
you have a few children's picture books or footy boots that your kids have outgrown but want to find them a loving home? Well, drop them in at 3CR and put them in the Books and Boots bin. Books and Boots regularly sends pre-loved children's picture books and sports footwear to remote and regional First Nations communities and children across the country. Contact us at Books and Boots or go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au We love a good book. This is cold. Don't be afraid. The Don't treasure. be scared. It's cold. It's cold. It's cold. Tune in every Monday at 5pm to hear the Climate Action Radio Show.